Hey, it's Bob Stoffer. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to Oilers Now ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. All right, it's 535 in Edmonton. Welcome back, everybody. Bob Stoffer with the Edmonton Oilers in Seattle. Exhibition game number six tonight. The Oilers in the crack, and Edmonton's got a 2-2-1 and one record. Connor McDavid, Leon Dreisettle, both in the lineup. A couple of players we're going to be watching. Raphael Lavoie and Dylan Holloway. Jack Campbell starts in goal. Guests and Oilers now receive gift certificates to Roos Chris Steakhouse. It's the greatest steak you've ever had. You can follow the sizzle to 9990 Jasper Avenue and tell Chris, Chef, Eltoff, and Brendan that Oilers now sent you. Roos Chris is is open Tuesday through Sunday from 5 p.m. until close. And Oilers Now Trivia brought to you all season long by Pro-Am Sports. Fan cave and fan gear specialists for all budgets in Edmonton on St. Albert Trail and at proamsports.ca. All right. Well, as we mentioned earlier, today Chorus is recognizing Truth and Reconciliation Day in uh, uh, here on 630 Ched. And we're going to bring back a couple guys that we've had on the show in past years, including an Indigenous leader that at one time played for the legendary Bill LaForge. He's heavily involved in uh, multiple different uh, businesses at this time. He is our Oilers Now headliner for Wilhawk Beef Jerky. It's the best you've ever tasted. Search for Wilhawk, W-I-L-H-A-U-K today. We welcome back to the show, Robert Morin. Hi, Robert. It's Bob. How you doing? Hey, Bobby. I'm doing good. How are you today? I'm in Seattle. Uh, quiet day yesterday. They had a team building uh, thing, so you know the broadcasters weren't part of that. And uh, <laughs> it w- let me tell you, uh, Seattle is maybe. It, it, let's just say there's some challenges in some of the, the cities in the United States and Canada. We all know what they are, and <laughs> we saw a lot of them yesterday. Wow, it was uh, it was a beautiful day. Uh, and unfor- you know, watched a little bit of NFL, but couldn't find a sports bar, which was a little bit disappointing for me. So, uh, anyhow, how you doing? What's going on these days for you? Uh, a little bit of, you know, everything uh, involved with uh, developing the Trans Mountain project uh, that I spoke about a year ago. And they just had a major meeting in Vancouver with a number of the Indigenous leaders out there. Uh, getting word back that the government's getting close to considering selling some of the interest in it. But uh, nothing definite in, in regards to what that really means to the First Nation uh, participation. Um, uh, but we're still there. We're still interested. So. Yeah. So, I mean, obviously this is integral for the further development for Trans Mountain. Is that correct? To yes, have su- support from the... And, and how much... Is there a considerable difference when you're talking about treaty land versus non-treaty? Well, a little bit. Um, but more importantly, I think what we're talking about is the resources. Um, if you go to treaties and the concept of treaties and the idea of reconciliation, uh, to me that means uh, uh, reconciliation of the treaty agreements in whole, right. spirit and intent. So what it was was a signing by our ancestors with the newcomers to share the land. We did not sell it. We did not give the rights away to it. We agreed to sell it, or not sell it, share it to the depth of a plow with the newcomers. Unfortunately, that was never fully recognized and respected by the uh, process as it went through a couple hundred years here. And you see the ramifications from not having economic development on these First Nations and and our respective nations. So 
we need to correct that, and that's what reconciliation is all about. So yeah, yeah, it's in, and I know we've had this pr- conversation privately, but when I was a kid, Harold Cardinal came to our acreage to purchase birch for my father, and uh, my dad said, "You can just have the birch, and I'll I'll get you to do something in a second. And at that time, he had probably published Unjust Society maybe five or six years er earlier. And that was probably, would it be fair to say that was one of the most important books ever written about uh, Indigenous affairs in this country, especially in light of what happened with Jean Chrétien when he was then, I believe, known as the Indian Affairs Minister, later would go on to be Prime Minister, at a time when... Pierre Trudeau had taken over as Prime Minister of this country in 1968, given women the rights to uh, to choose, uh, years before Roe versus Wade in the States, had also eliminated homosexuality as a legal act. In other words, you know, we no longer, we're, we're going to judge on those sort of issues anymore. But they kind of flew opposite in terms of being this progressive, open society with how they, they viewed the, the nature of the relationship with the, the Indigenous people at that time. Is that a a fair assessment, Robert? Do you think? Oh yes, and and I agree with all of your assessment there. I I would I would state that it was always a hidden agenda. It's uh, never fully recognized uh, the treaties and and what they meant in honoring those uh, main points of sharing the land and sharing the wealth, especially the resources. Right. Instead, what you saw was a genocide act, uh, including the residential school and. You know the hundreds of children that never made it home. I mean, my my family and 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 other members in our family weren't affected in that nature, but relatives of ours were, and many other uh, relatives in the respective First Nations were affected by it, and still are to this day. Yeah. So it, it takes a lot to recover from that, and it's multi generational. So if you take, you know, I'll I'll add to it a little later on, Bobby. But that I hope that answers your question there. So. Is, uh, you know, it's funny, Robert, because I've had this conversation with some of the more center-left media types, and there's a lot of them, about the impact of Harold Carnell and and some of the leaders in the indigenous community in the early 19s. Like these 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 guys were. Did they not go? Was your and was your father not part of this group that ended up marching in Ottawa? Yes, he was, along with uh, the uh, chief of our community at the time, Raymond Cardinal. So they. They both went down there, and, and a little side story to it, Raymond, late Raymond was afraid of flying in a plane at that time. So they had to travel down by train, and it took them quite a while to get there. So on the way back, my father said, I am not getting on the train with you. I'm going on a plane, so if you want to travel on the train, you go ahead. So when they got on the, on the plane, he was very, very nervous, but he liked the plane trip so far after that. He was uh, doing a lot of his trips by, by yeah. traveling on the plane, so he he overcame his fear of flying. But yeah. they, what they did was they went to the uh, Parliament Hill and they protested what was called the White Paper, and that was the uh, uh, lead here in the province by Harold uh, uh, Cardinal and uh, by uh, I think Senator Sinclair was big in Manitoba at that time. Right. So so a lot of the individuals were protesting the the trend of where Trudeau was going and and uh, Mr. Kretschmer at that time. And so they went to Parliament Hill and they did a large protest then. 
Yeah. We're joined right now by Robert Morin. He's an Indigenous leader in our community. You played for Bill LaForge. This is kind of how, about, what was it, 12 or 14 years ago our conversation started. You joined us on, a, on an Oilers road trip, and we ended up having about a five-hour... I mean, I mentioned the name Bill LaForge, and right now there's probably some, some uh, guys maybe that grew up and played major junior hockey or maybe even played... For, the Enoch Tomahawks is where you played for Bill LaForge. Is that correct? That's right. That was the first, uh, what he called his first serious venture into coaching. And from uh, coaching our team, I believe he went to, uh, was it Oshawa? He went to Oshawa, yeah, coaching the And, then, and then he went, yeah, Regina and then Kamloops and back to Hamilton. And he, and he crossed uh, a lot of uh, young young men's lives back then. But the thing about Billy was he was he was a very, very uh, team-orientated individual and and he believed in hard work so he instilled that in you and and uh, with me he liked he liked my game period i i wasn't the most skilled guy i wasn't the most uh, uh, fastest guy in the ice, but i gave him effort and uh, he liked that so uh, his phd philosophy uh fit in well with uh, me being as captain of the team at the time so. well what was it physical hustle determination was that phd yeah, and he, he changed his D's around a little bit, desire, <laughs> discipline. But, you know, the whole philosophy of it was your team orientated to stick up for one another, to play for one another, to have pride in the jersey you're playing for, and to commit to teamwork. So he, he, once he instilled those principles in you, they carried over into your everyday life. So, so he we're demanded t- everybody show up in good shape for that. So. We're, we're joined by Robert Marn, a leader in the Indigenous community. So we're talking with the Enoch Tomahawks. We're, are we talking about like the 1970s, mid to late 70s, in that range? 70, 77, 78, somewhere in there, yeah. 70. And, th- and this was junior B hockey, at th- which at that time was pretty good in the Edmonton area, was it not? Well, I compared to it. It would probably be Tier 2. Okay. Uh, I, I think... Port Saskatchewan was a team in our, in our league, and I think uh, Timichuk, is that the right name? Yeah, Gina Timichuk, yep. He, he took that whole team and brought it into the AGHL uh, pretty well intact from the year before where he played in the uh, Capital Junior League. So that tells you the quality of the, the teams over there. And we, you know, we were close to competing with them, but that was before Bill's day. So uh, his team... Was very aggressive, very assertive, and uh, <laughs> to say the least. <laughs> well, you know, but the misconception about Billy's—he he taught skill. He, he did—he didn't just you know want to have everybody run everybody through the glass. He he concentrated on some skill development within the team too. So. We're joined by Robert Moore. And so, Robert, here's the deal. So, you know, you've, you've had this environment where it takes teamwork. Uh, you're, you, you know, I think we kind of fundamentally understand that there's some unique challenges. Is the Indigenous community going to have to work together with the government to push uh, Trans, uh, Trans Mountain over the finish line? Or is that basically already done at this stage? Maybe educate our listeners. Uh, no, they need a little bit more pushing, I think, uh from my understanding, I wasn't at the meetings in Vancouver because we're one of the proponents uh, pushing for the uh, ownership of it. So they just wanted to meet with the leadership group there. Okay. The nations. And my understanding what was presented wasn't any detailed uh, business plan, but rather a, a discussion that was supposed to take place that became a little bit disorganized, I'll say. Okay. And they, they promised to come back with a better presentation in uh, 60 days. So we'll see how that goes. 
from 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 that point of view, I think uh, under the uh, 94 action items under the reconciliation agreement that was signed off by uh, the government under uh, uh, Premier Harper or Prime Minister Harper, I think action item number 92 is the corporate side. And uh, I remember being on your show last year, yeah, kind of emphasizing that we need corporate Canada to also participate in getting reconciliation done. So all of these major agreements, all of these major business and, and uh, natural resource development, they need to include the First Nations in a real meaningful partnership, joint venture partnership, not some mediocre, you know, percentage that just gives them a little bit of funding and stay out of our way type of deal. Yeah. Meaningful, meaningful participation with meaningful revenue streams coming into the communities will make a difference. Um, let me ask you this. We got Brian Trotje. Now, we're going to rerun a segment of the interview we did with him last year, seven minutes. Would you think of he's probably the best Indigenous player of all time? No At question. The, no my question. hero. He's, he's one of my heroes. So he's, he's, a, he's a great uh, example of uh, working uh, and, and staying dedicated to overcome uh, some of the positions that he was in. And uh, he's, you know, he became one of the great players of, of the National Hockey League. Yeah. Uh, was there a guy out there that you played with that maybe didn't make it to the National Hockey League that you can you think? Because I've heard these, you know, I've heard stories from various members of the Indigenous community. To, hey, I played with this guy or I played against this guy back in the This guy's a hell of a player. Do you ever recall a guy that had a, an incredible amount of skill and maybe didn't have the support network in place? Because Brian, we're going to hear Brian talk about how important Tiger Williams was for him when he went to junior. Uh, but was there somebody that you crossed paths with along the way, Robert, you thought had a chance to play and maybe didn't? Yeah, there's a, you know, there's read your real quick list. I don't want to, but uh, the one that really comes to mind in the local area is Cardinal. And Reggie played on a line with uh, Paul Correa in college. And uh, one hell of a player. Really good person, too. Uh, the other players that come to mind, Travis Cunningham, Jesse Dudas, Aaron Starr, Jordan Kuderpat, right from our own community. Uh, really good hockey players. And, of course, Shane Peacock. And I think you guys have heard of him a little bit. But yep. he had a chance to really uh, join the Pittsburgh Penguins in their heyday. But he got some bad advice from his uh, player agent. Ended up uh, uh, not even playing in the NHL. Um, yeah, Reg, I remember Reggie Cardinal because he played four years in Maine. Did, and you said Jesse Dudas. That's the Dudas that played up in Prince George that the Edmonton Oilers actually invited out. He was out at our camp one year. I remember because yes. he was a skilled puck-moving defenseman. Uh, well, yeah. Well, I remember him more as forward. <laughs> oh, okay. But he could he could have been a D2. I don't know. But there were, other, there were other guys, and it's different eras, Bobby. Like, you know, I played in the uh, 70s, so I played against guys that I thought were really – you know, on the borderline of being good AHL players or third for fine energy guys in the NHL. Um, but, you know, to go through it, you have to go through like 70s, 80s, 90s, and then you. Okay, Robert, you're, you're breaking. We're, we're losing you here at the end of the conversation. Uh, I've, I've recommended to several of the media types in town that they read The Unjust Society. you think that would be a good start for somebody to maybe fundamentally understand some of the unique challenges and uh, different perspectives from a historical perspective going back for you know 40 or 50 years here and, and sort of what – because – 
we, you know, the Liberals were running the, the country in 1968, and a lot of people thought it was a time of incredible openness, but they kind of went counter that uh, with, uh, with John Chrétien. Do you think that'd be a good starting point with that book, with The Unjust Society? That's one of them, yes. I would, I would say so. Great stuff. Let's do this again, okay? All right, Bobby. Thanks Take, for calling. You Take bet. That is, that is Robert Morin. He's a local Edmonton area indigenous leader. Uh, he played for uh, the late uh, great Bill LaForge, who had a cup of coffee coach in the NHL with the Vancouver Canucks, and Bill's teams were tough. Uh, the team that uh, Robert played with was the Enoch Tomahawks. You, you heard him. He's uh, currently involved in uh, the Trans Mountain Pipeline, which is a significant deal uh, politically. As uh, we recognize Truth and Reconciliation Day here, it was officially on the 30th of September, but we didn't have a show that day. We do have Brian Trotche coming up later on today's edition of Oilers Now. When we return, we'll hear from Edmonton Oilers head coach Jay Woodcroft and Oilers forward Raphael Lavoie. This is Oilers Now live from Climate Pledge Arena in Seattle. Welcome back, everybody. Do want to mention to you, and it is currently 5.56 in Edmonton. Bob Stoffer in Seattle. The Oilers in the Kraken tonight. It'll be an 8 p.m. puck drop. Uh, Cam Moon will have the call. Rob Brown, Reed Wilkins, Jack Michaels, all part of the Oilers Radio Network. You can join New West Travel for an exclusive road trip to Montreal to watch the Oilers play the Canadians on a Saturday night. This package includes airfare with Porter Airlines, three nights deluxe hotel in downtown Montreal, a private suite with tickets, with food and beverages, a welcome reception with yours truly and special guests in both Edmonton and in Montreal. Experience the incredible hockey history that is Montreal in January. To be a part of this awesome Montreal road trip, call New West Travel today or go online at newwesttravel.com. You never know who's going to swing by at these events. All right. Um, we'll head back into uh, the Oilers Now Audio Vault for direct workwear as we go into the Oilers Now Injury Report. It's presented all season long by James H. Brown Injury Lawyers. Trent Brown, of course, uh, the best Golden Bear football player in the last 40-plus uh, years, a two-time CFL All-Star. Jim Brown, big supporters of the Edmonton Oilers, the Edmonton Elks, the U of A, Golden Bears. When accidents happen, go to jameshbrown.com. And earlier today, Oilers head coach Jay Woodcroft spoke about Brandon Sutter's retirement. Well, first of all, I would congratulate him on an unbelievable career. Him and I and Ken had a meeting yesterday, and uh, it's obviously an emotional time for him. Um, you know, he's a quality person, a quality player, uh, and for him, he made the decision um, that he did. We support him 100%. I think, um, you know, as he gets some things sorted out on his health front, uh, he will. He'll be a a long-time NHL uh, person and some level, whether that's a scout like some of his uncles, whether it's a player personnel uh, person like some of his uncles, a coach like an uncle and his dad, um, you know, he's he has certain attributes that I think will serve him well as he moves forward. And the biggest thing I wanted him to feel was our support and a great person and wish him well. That is Edmonton Oilers head coach Jay Woodcroft talking about Brandon Sutter's difficult decision yesterday to announce his retirement. He was in on a PTO. So the Oilers are at 33 players now in training camp. That includes, uh, speaking of our injury report, Matias Ekholm, he's with the team. He's out with a hip flexor. I expect him regular, uh, able to go when the regular season starts. 
starts a week from Wednesday in Vancouver. Ryan McLeod's out with a soft tissue issue. I also expect him uh, could be back as early as maybe even Wednesday when the Oilers take on the Calgary Flames. Sam Gagne is going to be out a while. He had hip surgery. He is looking at starting um, uh, back uh, in the American Hockey League. It is currently... 4.58 in Seattle, 5.58 in Edmonton. We are going to head off to a global news weather traffic update with James Dunn. And when we come back, as Chorus recognizes Truth and Reconciliation Day, we'll talk to the man considered by many to be the greatest Indigenous player of all time, Hall of Famer Brian Trottier. This is Oilers Now, live from Seattle. 911. What's your emergency? Ah, I'm out of cruise ship. Ah, there was an explosion. Oh my God, the ship is sinking. I can't get out. There's water everywhere. We're going down. I've got a lock on your location. Stay with me. Hurry, hurry. Hello? Are you